1: you and i ought to be running away from sin running away from immorality just as you would run away from something that is scary we should run away from sin and we should run to jesus who is our best friend and you ought to do that every single day of your life
0: Good evening. I'm Kyle Welch, and welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up His name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message.
1: I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 if you're a guest. We've been preaching through this book uh, verse by verse, and I'm speaking today on the subject Choose Wisely Grasshopper. Choose Wisely Grasshopper. Back in the 70s, there was a TV series called Kung Fu. The story was built around a Kung Fu artist by the name of Master Poe which sounds like a rapper to me. Uh, master Paul was blind. He could not see. And he was mentoring a young boy, uh, David Carradine, who played the role of Cain. And he would always, the master artist would always say to the young boy, he'd always say these words, choose wisely grasshopper. What he was saying there was in the process of the decisions you make, make sure that you make the wise decision, the wise choice. Every day, according to Columbia researchers, the average person makes about 70 significant decisions in the course of a day. Now, you make hundreds of decisions, but 70 of them are what they consider significant decisions, which is about 25,000 decisions a year. And over the course of your lifetime, you will make about 2 million decisions important decisions if you live a normal life today you chose you woke up you made a choice to come to church some people chose not to come to church but you chose to be here today right give yourselves a hand come on come on come on you chose wisely you chose wisely uh you chose what clothes you would wear You chose the route that you would drive to get here. You chose, out of 3,500 seats, you chose the seat that you're sitting in right now. And some of you right now are choosing and deciding where you're going to eat after church, amen. (laughs) Life is a sum of all of your choices. The choices you make determine who you are. The choices you make or don't make determine your future in this life And more importantly, your future in the next life. So choose wisely, grasshopper. Today I want to look at four decisions that every single person in this room needs to make. You have to choose between living a sinful life or a holy life. When you get out of bed in the morning, you wake up, you don't even know where you are half the time. Before your feet hit the floor, you have to choose who are you going to live for today yourself or for god i want you to look at first peter chapter four since christ suffered in his what in his body and we've been talking a lot in this book this whole book is written to people who are suffering therefore since christ suffered in his body peter writes you Need to arm yourselves also with the same attitude. What does that mean? That means that as Christ was willing to suffer because he willingly laid down his life, he could have called 10,000 angels to deliver him that day, but he willingly laid down his life. There's always this argument who nailed Jesus to the cross? Jesus gave himself up, he willingly died, he willingly suffered so that you and I could have everlasting life. And in the same way that he was willing to suffer, what Peter is saying to the Christians who are suffering, it's okay. You too should be willing to suffer, if need be, for the sake of Christ. You should arm yourselves with the same attitude because he has suffered in his body, is done with sin, he died for sin, he died for my sin, he died for your sin. Verse 2, as a result speaking about the lord he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires but he rather lives for the will of god remember jesus said not my will but thine will be done jesus did not even though he was tempted in every way he never yielded to sin when he was here on this earth you see i think the big issue the big decision is are you willing to suffer for christ Are you willing to lay down your life, if need be, for the sake of the gospel? Are you willing to suffer uh, for the cause of the growth of the kingdom of God? And if you are, then dealing with sin is like, it's almost a secondary issue. If if you're willing to suffer for Christ, you should be able to overcome any sin that you're wrestling with, because we all wrestle with sin all the time. You've got your mind on the wrong thing. It's, you're worried about the sin. You need to be worried. Are you willing to sacrifice everything on behalf of Christ? If you are, you should be able to conquer any sin. You don't even need to live the rest of your life for earthly desires. Because you've made the greater choice. Now look at verse 3. For you have already spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do and he tells you what pagans do they live in debauchery lust drunkenness orgies carousing and detestable idolatry what he's saying here is this when you became a christian you left your pagan ways in fact he says you've already spent enough time doing all the things the pagans do didn't you now that you're saved now that you're a christian you no longer live the same way that the pagans live they they chose they made choices to live like that once you become a christian you no longer live like the pagans do right and then we come to verse four he says they the pagans they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and so they heap abuse or ridicule on you. The point is this, if you decide that you're going to live a pure life, if you decide you're going to live a Christ-like life and you're no longer going to do what the pagans do, those pagans are going to think you're the strangest people that they've ever met and they're going to ridicule you. They're going to throw abuse on you because they just they're just because you're not going along with them they're going to make fun of you they can't figure you out i remember when i got married i was 26 years of age and i was a virgin when i got married and i remember having all kinds of conversations with my friends and Della, you got to be kidding me no i'm a virgin they teased me to no end because i was the strangest person they'd ever met and i remember being in high school when they offered me the drugs and i said i'm not taking the drugs come on man we're all taking drugs no i'm not doing it i remember when they offered me the beer and i said i'm not drinking the beer i remember when they invited me to their parties i said you know what i have enough fun i don't need drugs i don't need alcohol you just come at you i am a party come hang out with me i don't need all that stuff And those guys would laugh and call me every name in the book because they can't figure out a Christian who stands for Christ. Look at verse 4 again. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they will heap ridicule abuse on you. And when that happens, and what Peter's telling us is don't be surprised when the world mocks you. It's normal for anyone in this culture who decides that you're going to live a pure, holy life, they're going to make fun of you. The fact is, some of us, we go right along with the world because we're afraid of the ridicule. Some of you, when you do wrong, you know, you know you shouldn't be doing some of those things. But you do them anyway because you're not willing to take the ridicule and the abuse that they will throw upon you i say to you grow up stop being a spiritual baby jesus died he died for you he died for me we should be willing to die to sin Uh, well people are going to make fun of me who cares well they're going to write me off as a friend we'll find some other friends well they don't like it that i don't go party with them anymore Tough taco, I always say to them. <laughs> the thing that you have to always remember is this if they persecuted Jesus, they're going to persecute you. And you can fact check that statement. That is not fake news, that is reality, my friend. I saw this photograph. I want to show it to you. This guy was some type of protest. This guy has a sign that said on a shirt sign that says if jesus returns kill him again and that is the sentiment of many people and i guarantee you this if jesus was alive today on this planet on this culture they'd kill him as, as well if they persecuted jesus get ready they're going to persecute you this all goes back to this issue are you going to live a sinful life or are you going to live a holy life you get to choose my wife and i a couple weeks ago we had took we took a red eye to Chicago, and we went downtown, and we went to this hotel. We pulled in where you check in the hotel. We pulled underneath this awning, and my wife's going, "Oh!" I go, "What?" She goes, "Look!" I look up. I go, "What?" She goes, "There's spiders up there." I go, "What?" There's spiders, and I looked way up, way up in the ceiling. There were little tiny cobwebs, and uh, the people working there were coming over, and they had she had half the hotel just looking up there. I said, honey, uh, spiders do not come down. They're they're, they're happy up there. They're more scared of you than you are of them. No, there's spiders up there. So we check in. It's about 7 o'clock. And I said, honey, let's go eat breakfast. She goes, no, I want to go to bed. I said, honey, we just got to Chicago. What do you want to go to sleep for? It's 7 a.m. And so I go in. I said, hey, do you have a Waffle House around here? And they said, no, there's no Waffle House. But he said, two-minute walk down the street is the best breakfast place in all of Chicago. And I turned to my wife and said, honey, let's go. She said, okay. <laughs> so we walked literally two minutes, and it was, it was an incredible breakfast. I'm not making this story up. We're sitting there. We haven't been left the hotel two minutes. We're sitting down. And I saw something. it looked like a... I thought it was a mouse that just kind of, I, I just saw something. And uh, as the Lord is my witness, there was a spider about that big around at the breakfast. It had a real high ceiling, and it, it looked like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. That spider came down, and I looked over, and that spider was right next to my wife's head like this, just doing this. And the guy next to us says, ma'am, and she said, what? He goes, there's a spider, and she turned, and that spider was just dangling right here. She got up. She screamed. She looked like Usain Bolt running the 100-meter dash. Now, there's, a, there's a, a theologian by the name of N.T. Wright. He uses the analogy, if you were to walk around a corner of a building and you saw something that scares you to death, and he says a spider, if you're, how many of you are deathly afraid, you're scared of spiders, right? You come around the corner, you see a spider, or you come around the corner and you see a snake, or you come around the corner and you see an 800-pound rhinoceros coming towards you. What is your natural, if you're afraid, what is your natural instinct? to do exactly what my wife did, get up, turn, and run as fast as you can. Then he used this analogy. If you're sitting on your front porch and there's a friend of yours that you've not seen for 10 years, a long lost friend, used to be your best friend, you lost contact, and you've, you've been looking and longing to talk to this person, and you look across the street and you see someone walking and you recognize them and you think, that's my friend, I've, and they're walking down the street. What do you do? You get up from the porch and you run over to that person. And N.T. Wright says, that's what it's like, a holy life or an impure life. You and I ought to be running away from sin, running away from immorality, just as you would run away from something that is scary. We should run away from sin, and we should run to Jesus, who is our best friend. And you ought to do that every single day of your life. Don't be scared of a little ridicule. And what you ought to be afraid of is the judgment of God, which is my second question. Write this down. You have to to ask yourself, is Jesus' return imminent? Or does that just seem like an impossibility to you? Do you live your life in such a way that if Jesus Christ came back today, you would be ready and anxious and excited to see him. Or do you live your life in such a way that you don't even think that's a possibility and so you just engage in all kinds of sins because you don't really think Jesus Christ is ever going to actually return. Look again at verse 4 in our text. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. Verse 5, but they, the pagans, will have... To give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the what? The dead. And skip down to verse 7. Look at verse 7, the first seven words. Peter says, the end of all things is what? Is near. One day Jesus is coming back. It could be today. He says to the writers are you ready? Do you believe that this could be the day? Some people laugh at that. Some people think that he's never coming back. If you read second Peter, it actually says that there are people who scoff. It uses the word scoff. (laughs) You got to be kidding me. Jesus coming back. (laughs) That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Second Peter says people scoff at the second coming of Jesus Christ i think of that country preacher he just moved into this new church and he was out knocking on doors visiting farmers inviting them to come to his church he went down a country road and here's this old farmer on a tractor and he goes up to the farmer and he just says hey i want to introduce you, you myself to you i'm the new preacher down at the church and i'd like to invite you to, to come to church and the farmer looks at the preacher and says well why would i do that and the preacher says well i well because the lord jesus christ is going to return And uh, you need to be ready and the farmer goes well when's he coming back and the preacher says i don't know maybe today maybe tomorrow and the farmer says don't tell my wife she'll want to go both days (laughs) and i say to you this is not about your wife this is not about your spouse this is not about somebody else i'm asking you this question do you live your life in such a way that if jesus christ came back this very moment that he would find you willing and waiting for his return james 4 4 says this now this is kind of these are tough words but i want you to see what james says he says you adulterous people don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards god anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of god Now, you don't need a Bible college degree to understand this verse. You just have to read it. Look at the second half one more time. Anyone who chooses, say chooses, it's a choice. Anyone who chooses to become a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And one day, the Lord is going to judge the living and the dead. That means all the people that have died. They too will face the judgment. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, just as man is destined to die, we're all destined to die. And after that, we will all face the judgment. And what Peter is saying here is far better for you to stand up for Christ. Don't go along with the pagans. It's far better to remain and to live a holy life, to suffer some pushback than it is to live an evil life. And one day stand before God and be judged by a holy God. And I want to make this clear. I'm going to stand before God one day. And I'll have to give an account for every word I've ever said and every deed that I have ever done. Every single person in this room, we're all going to stand before God. The Lord has a list of everything I've ever said wrong and everything I've ever done wrong. He's got a list. But... When that moment comes for me, Jesus is going to step in front of me and say, Father, when Dudley was eight years of age, he gave his life to me and he has served me all his life. And when I died on the cross, I died for all of his sins and he put his faith and trust to me. And so there is no judgment upon Dudley because he belongs to me. And so I ask you again, are you ready? If Jesus Christ came back today, are you ready to stand before God? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. The third question is this. Are you going to serve in the church or are you going to go it alone? Are you going to serve in the church or are you just going it alone? This letter, 1 Peter, is written to Christians. We, the church... Everybody say the church. We are according to the Bible, we are the bride of Christ. The moment you got saved, God puts you in the church and we are his bride. Now he's gone, he's been gone for 2000 years, but he's going to return one day and it's near and when he comes back, he's going to gather up the church. Those of us that are saved. He's going to take all of us and he's going to take us back into heaven. And right now for the last 2000 years, he's been preparing our heavenly home. And one day when the Lord returns, he's going to take the church and he's going to take us and we're going to go and live with him forever. Now, until he comes back, every single person has a role. You have a job, you have a purpose. And as you As you read through this in context, the context is, even if you're hurting, even if you're suffering, even if you feel like you're being persecuted, God says, I still got a job for you. You can't just go hide. I need you. I need you in the church.
0: If you were moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight, We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888 818 4777. Again, that number is 888 818 4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God, and prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. We also remind everyone that our online services at Shepherd Church can be seen every weekend, either Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. on our websites, liftupjesus.com and shepherdchurch.com. As Christians, we are often faced with trials, sorrows, and struggles of many kinds. Jesus never promised we would be free from tribulation once we become believers. However, God does show us through the wisdom of His Word how to overcome and even rejoice in the difficult times we are experiencing. Some of the most essential keys to a joyful Christian walk are found in the small New Testament book written by James, the brother of Jesus. In his book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, Pastor Dudley Rutherford takes you through a study of the book of James and shares the spiritual disciplines necessary to help you persevere as a believer, even during the most challenging times in your life. Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Call us right now so we can get this powerful resource into your hands. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777 you will learn the powerful tools to encourage you in your faith, how to extend Jesus' love to others, and walk with Him daily with a smile. Our number again is 888-818-4777. And when you call, ask for your personal copy of Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us every weeknight at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.